Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of other things I thought was kind of remotely interesting, but I wasn't, like, thought it was that interesting. I think, like, obviously mm-hmm. the new iPhones are all, the Pixels are all, and then the mm-hmm. new MacBook Pro are all too. Oh, yeah, the notch. Not actually, yeah. that could be pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, the new MacBook Pro are, like, really stepping up in terms of their new silicon too. Um, they finally bought like these new jacked up M1 chips that we've been expecting for a while. Yeah, the M1 oh. Max and the M1 Pro chips. Yeah. Or I got them in the other order. The M1 Max is the like really good one. The M1 Pro is the still really good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like it's a really remarkable piece of engineering because... I've always thought the idea of integrating hardware and software has always been a fantastic idea. Like, that's the reason that the old Pixel phones only had three years of support. It was because they used Qualcomm CPUs. Um, And so their support was actually bottlenecked by Qualcomm's support. And so since uh, Google Pixel 6 is using the Tensor chip now, I think they have at least five years of support since everything's in-house now. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, Intel is uh, in in some deep shit, so to speak. <laughs> uh, did you see the recent Intel ads? No, I have not. Attacking Apple? Okay. No, um, I have not. <laughs> it, it's well, let me let me let me try to find it for you. It's it's really bad. Oh yeah. I'll just explain it in the meantime. As you know, like because of the M1 chips, the whole family of those CPUs, Apple's no longer using Intel for their MacBooks. And as a result, Intel is a bit salty about that cuz Apple's one of their largest customers, largest source of revenue, so they're bleeding a lot of cash because of this. It's just the most tone-deaf commercial ever. And what it has is just a bunch of random people, not paid actors, come into Intel's office. And this guy who looks like um, Craig Federighi, anyway, it's the like mm-hmm. basically the discount Craig Federighi, yeah, yeah. shows them a bunch of uh, tiny commercials that offer interesting features that Apple devices do not have under the guise that it's a new apple innovation (laughs) so for example showing like hey your laptop can now replace its own ram or hey your device has touch screens and can play lots of different games and of course they get the audience reaction where the audience is like wow i really want my mac to have this feature blah 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 and then of course big reveal at the end it's like these aren't Apple devices and they all exist as normal Windows machines. <laughs> and then you cut to their like shock and surprise. Yeah, at the end, it's just pretty embarrassing because anyone who understands what's actually going on does not buy it at all. Like first, a lot of Apple machines still use Intel. So it's not a Mac versus PC thing. And secondly, for example, the games and whatnot, that's not necessarily an operating system thing. 
pretty much most devices already have their RAM soldered on. And yeah, even if we were using Windows devices for any new machines, I think people would take AMD over Intel any day. So uh, yeah, yeah, this is all a long-winded way to say that Intel is not having a good time. Yeah, and you know what, Andrew? Yeah. That really, really, really pleases me. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you like seeing people suffer? Um, no, because I, I think Intel is solely responsible for the stagnation in the consumer CPU market over really? the last before AMD Zen came out, right? Because we're okay. talking about AMD now as like you know they are the the go to in mm -hmm. consumer CPU processors, mm -hmm. and you know that has and AMD has definitely consolidated their position in the market, right? If you look at the right. The retail price right now, the AMD CPUs are priced actually higher than the Intel CPUs. Mm -hmm. But before Zen came out, when like Intel CPUs were the best, um, right? In fact, Intel CPUs were the best for a solid like five six years, and mm -hmm. during that period of time, they just turned out like ten percent improvement every generation or so. And mm -hmm. that's all the improvement that you wouldn't get. So from the third to the sixth, seventh generation, there was very little, uh, arch, like real step change in the consumer CPU market. It's like people weren't upgrading because there was no incentive to upgrade. Um, mm -hmm. And now we finally have competition in the market. And mm -hmm. it really, really pleases me to see the fact that Intel have to pull up a fight. And, you know, not to mention that, like, a lot of these large tech companies are now going for vertical integration. Mm -hmm. So Google with their Tensor chips, Mac with their M1 mm -hmm. chips. AMD is working on a deal with NVIDIA. Uh, mm-hmm it really puts Intel into a position where they can't be lazy anymore. I'm sure they would be very successful. You know, they are a very, very large company. And even though we're comparing AMD to Intel, AMD is like a nice, like a cute little guinea pig compared to the 800-pound <laughs> gorilla that's Intel, right? I so. mean, you could have said the same thing for Yahoo and Google decades ago where mm. it just reminds me of when Yahoo was about to buy Google for 1 billion. <laughs> like it's, I, I don't really care too much about the sizes of companies, but rather their trajectories. And Intel's trajectory seems to be going down. I do think Intel kind of recently did some sort of leadership reshuffling earlier this year mm -hmm. and it seems to me that one of intel's missions at least the new ceo has said it is like to win back apple by like innovating so much that there's no way that apple would ever want <laughs> to not use intel 
mm -hmm. which is like really bold words, especially coming from the same person who said that Intel's failures was due to his predecessors. So yeah, I mean, I don't know how much I would buy that. The Intel camp is also saying stuff about like how Intel's projected CPU specs are actually better than Apple Silicon's. But then the common caveat to that is that these are projected specs for desktop grade machines. Um, whereas we are comparing to like actual in production laptop machine specs. So yeah, no, it's like Apple is not behind at all. Once they get new Apple Silicon for desktop Macs, I really doubt that an Intel chip would be more appealing on the desktop. Yeah, interesting, because as we're recording this podcast, Intel yesterday just released their new generation of processors, uh -huh. uh, codenamed Elder Lake, uh -huh. and they have definitely tried something that they haven't done before. Generally speaking, a lot of these Intel CPU desktop-grade processors have many of the same cores. So mm -hmm. when we you know, talk about AMD cores, we talk about Intel cores, the, in most cases, it's the, the same cores in terms of functionality. But in the new generation of chips released by Intel, they have now made a distinction between performance cores, which they call P cores, and efficiency cores, which they call E cores. I see. So now, rather than going for more of the same performance, they're making, they're almost overfitting to particular use cases. Do you know why that this is the case? Like why they don't want to distinguish between P cores and E cores? Uh, why they do or why they don't? Why they don't now? No, um, they do. Oh, I see. Yeah, so, so the new generation of um, the new generation chips or at least in particularly the Elder Lake chips now make a distinction between P cores and E cores. I see. Yeah. And you can see that in both how like the the floor plan of the chip and also the size of the chip. Because mm -hmm. like, I'm sure you built PCs before, you know, if mm -hmm. like for any viewers who build custom PCs, um, usually when you see a CPU, you see the integrated heat spreader, right? And that's mm -hmm. usually a square. But now yes, with this- the metal square, right? That yeah. you apply the thermal paste on. Yep, yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I always wondered what those thermal paste taste like. Um, <laughs> if any viewers, uh, if any listener knows, please please let me know. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you eat some and survive, please um, ping us. Um, but the new elder like integrated heat spreader is a rectangle, so um, you can see it in the floor plan that they have, and they just literally like squeezed a couple more E cores alongside um, what I assume previously referred to as P cores. I see. Yeah. Um, obviously, it has lots of implications for mobile use cases, right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the time, your devices is in a low power mode. You don't necessarily mm -hmm. need the performance of these P cores, but perhaps you still need to run a few applications in the background. And I think, mm -hmm. um, of course, these are only desktop chips for now. 
but mm -hmm. you can easily imagine that this hybrid kind of elder lake architecture would be very beneficial in possible devices in the future. We don't yet know how well these chips really stack up against their AMD counterparts. So mm -hmm. there's still lots left on, 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 on the table per se. I see. Would you buy Intel stock right now, Andrew? <laughs> I don't want to go broke. <laughs> Honestly, if I were to get a new CPU, I would get an AMD one. I don't see any compelling reason to buy Intel at this point. Mm. Interestingly enough, my current Intel CPU, it's reasonably powerful, but it's not compatible with Windows 11. I was just checking oh. the um, Windows 11 upgrader thing just the other day. And that is the one condition that prevents me from upgrading. They don't support my CPU. To be specific, <laughs> it's the i7-6700K, which it's is a decently powerful CPU. Mm -hmm. It's just a few generations too old, which just boggles my mind. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we ever spoke about this, but what's your opinion on the... The Windows upgrade requirements. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like the stupidest shit in the world. <laughs> they promise that Windows 10 will be the final operating system, and then they completely forget about that, and then they pretty much cause complexity that's completely unnecessary for tons and tons of users. Um, my understanding of Windows' original intent was that there was still some legacy baggage that they did not want to support from Windows 10, and therefore the best way to drop that support is to create a new operating system version. Therefore, you can make things that are Windows 11 compatible but not Windows 10 compatible. Um, that's great and all. But then if you wonder from the user's perspective, what does Windows 11 actually offer in terms of real value? And I struggle to see any value add from this new operating system. As far as I can tell, the only differences are the UI. Like now your taskbar looks like a dock from <laughs> Mac OS. Like, okay, wow, great innovation, guys. Amazing. And now you have people like me who can't really upgrade. I imagine there are many, many more people. If you have a two-year-old laptop, it may, have, it may not have a compatible TPM. Like, they're not going to be able to upgrade. And so it's just a really awkward spot to be in. And I do kind of believe Windows has not done the best job of kind of managing upgrade compatibility because right. it's just like now people are stuck between a rock and a hard place and that's just, it's so unnecessary. Yeah. So, so that's, that's my two cents. Yeah. So you mentioned that um, the in order to upgrade to Windows 11, 
your existing hardware needs to have a TPM, which is, I think, a trusted platform module. Mm -hmm. Do you know why we need the TPM for Windows 11? Like, why is this compulsory? Because obviously, you know, operating systems were running fine before. Yeah, I have no idea why. It may be that Windows wants a higher security bar or something. Mm -hmm. Which, sure, that's fine. But if you're going to lock out a ton of users, it's questionable whether it's worth it or not. <laughs> right. Um, but in terms of actual good reason for requiring TPM2, I actually don't have an answer for you. It's interesting because it worries me that you know, even for a recent CPU, I mean, a 6700K is not new, but it's not. It's very, very functional these days, right? Yes, it's still considered a good CPU to this day. Yeah, um, especially in this climate. And if a CPU like that is considered as unsupported, then I can only imagine that majority of the CPU that's currently in operation today is not supported. Yeah, um, generally, my prediction is or rather my rule of thumb is if your machine was built more than two years ago, you're probably not eligible for Windows 11. That's quite a few machines. Yeah, it's a really, it's a bummer because as we know, per generation performance in CPU hasn't been... It's like incremental. Right, yeah. Yeah, the common CPUs that are the newest generation aren't that much better than older ones. And most computer users are, in fact, primarily Chrome users. I'm mm -hmm. sure, you know, there's lots of gamers out there, but those users are much more reliant on a good GPU as compared to a good CPU, right? Yes, that and is I'm, true. And I'm sure your game is absolutely fine on a 6700K. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, like I don't need a 6700, uh, 6700K. Um, I just... I pretty much just need a toaster for games to work <laughs> based off what I play.